I'm going to invite you to turn your attention to the Word. And let's invite, let's invite the Holy Spirit in our conversation today. Let's just bow our heads. Our Father, in the silence of this moment, we come with, with focused attention. Father, we come with nothing but gratitude on our hearts. As a people, we gather here today to hear what you have in store for our lives today. In a world that seemed to be moving so fast uh, uh, towards its end, in a world that seems to be teetering on the edge of eternity, in a world that is so filled with all kinds of, of violence and immorality and selfishness and death. Father, I know you have a plan for us. I know this is not your will. And so we want to learn about your plan for our lives in the midst of all that's going around in our lives today. So we just want to say, Father, our hearts are ready to hear from you. Once again, I commit all that I am into your hands. Father, I submit all my faculties. I submit everything to you, only for you to use me as you choose. Father, as you speak to me, speak through me. And may as we hear your words today, may we not only be edified by it, but may we be transformed in the process. We thank you for Jesus, his amazing love for us, all that he has done for us, continue to do for us, and will do for us. It's in his honor and his, his glory that we submit to you at this time. Speak as we listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If we could add that first slide on the screen. Today, today we are continuing our journey. Abiding leads to fruits. Last week, we looked at abiding leads to, oh my, my. Thank you, thank you. Answered prayers, right? And I tell you what, I was blessed by that. Uh, you think the preacher is just preaching, but I tell you what, God speaks to me too, amen? But there's something powerful about abiding. There's something even more powerful about abiding branches. You see, we've been talking about branches, correct? And remember, in our, in our, in our little illustration here in John 15, verses 1 to 8, remember we see right here in the text where Jesus' focus is not on the fruits. His focus is on what? 
branches. I am the vine, Jesus said, and my father is the vine dresser. John 15, verse 1. You could follow me to 8. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, Jesus said, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, verse 5. You are the branches, Jesus said. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather themselves and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, verse 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much what? Fruit. So you will be my disciples. You see, Jesus, his focus is on disciples, not Christians. Jesus' focus is on maturity, not just living. Are you with me? In other words, Jesus wants people to grow and to become more like him. And if we are not maturing in our Christian walk, then there's no way we can bear fruits. Christianity is not just about being forgiven. Christianity is about being grown-ups. Spiritually. Some of us are grown-ups, but we are a child when it comes to our spiritual lives. Because we have not taken that part of our life seriously. Years have passed, and we're the same place, or even in the negative when it comes to what we should be, when it comes to our character and our Christ-likeness. The truth is, when you think about our world today, many people don't focus on their spirituality. They think it should be a given. They'll work. They'll go to therapy. They'll do all manner of things to improve themselves, but nothing is done to growing up into the statue of a person of Christ. It should just happen, they say. God loves me. And that's it. Truth be told, that's not in the Bible. 
God wants us to grow. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to mature. But far beyond even maturing in and of ourselves, he wants us to multiply ourselves. I mean, it's quite a journey. Being mature is one thing. But replicating ourselves in the life of another person, that's another totally different sphere of life. And some of us are not even maturing. Are you following what I'm saying? Much less multiplying. When Jesus looked upon the eleven, because at this time there was one that wasn't abiding, he had left. There was only eleven before him. And he wanted to make sure that these eleven men will learn the lesson of what it truly means to be a disciple. And you know what, friends? They got it. Hallelujah. They got it. You know why I know they got it? Because these 11 men began a journey with Jesus. And they not only mature. Think about Peter, loudmouth Peter. Think about him. You find him in the, in the, in the book of Acts. No more loudmouth cursing others. But he's now a loud mouth for Jesus, amen? amen? Preaching a storm over the Mediterranean. Many people coming to Christ and teaching people how to live. I mean, what a growth you see in the life of Peter. When you look into the life of all the disciples, you see that. You see where these words that Jesus spoke did not just go in one ear and come out the next. These words actually transformed their lives. They never forget it. They never forgot it. Bearing fruits is so important. What does the Bible mean when it talks about fruits? Well, let's look at this. Remember, Jesus' focus is really not the fruits. His focus is on the what? He wants healthy branches. Because healthy branches will be thick and strong enough to support and to provide nourishment to the fruits. Are you with me? So his focus is on the healthy branches. That's what he's after. But when the vineyard, when the vine dresser comes, and he looks at the, vi- the vine, he can tell immediately which branch is healthy. And which is not. Because he'll look at the what? At the fruit. It's not his focus, but by looking at the fruit, it can tell if the branches are doing well. He wants to know if the branches are doing well, and so he'll look at the fruits. Let me just say, who observe, who inspect the fruits? The vine dresser. Are you with me? Not the branches. We have many branches inspecting other branches. And God is saying, no, 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 no. That belongs to who? The Father. The Father does the inspecting. The Father does the pruning. The Father is laser focused on branches, but then when he cannot, he cannot miss the fruit. He sees a, 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 a nice cluster of grape. Grapes, he said, well, listen, that branch is doing well. He goes back and he looks and he sees 
he sees a, a, a branch with no grapes. You know what he does? He says, wait, something is wrong. I mean, it's, it's, it's three months, four months, five months. One year, two years, 15 years, no fruits. Something is wrong with this branch. And so he takes out his little scissors and he prunes it. He cuts it. And for the branches, remember for the branches that are kind of not doing well and dropping, what does he do, you remember? He lifts it up. And sometimes he would tie it up so he can support it, hopefully to get back its strength and start being fruits. You see, God is about, he wants healthy branches. And you know what? It's time for God's people to inspect their own relationship with Jesus and stop playing the fool. Because there's one person that is not fooling around with this thing. There's one person who is sitting in heaven right now taking records of every single aspect of our lives. We can fool men all day. But there's one person we cannot fool. And that is God. And he's saying, listen, if you'll only give me the chance, I am here to help you. I love you so much. I know what the enemy's plan is is against you. I know it. But guess what? If you hang tight with me, no weapons formed against you shall prosper. Listen. Listen. He was teaching these men how to be healthy branches so they could bear fruits. When we think about fruits, the Bible categorized fruits in three areas. Fruit is simply our character. What we are on the inside, who we are when no one is looking. Bible also speak of fruits in terms of our conduct. How do we treat other people? Do we treat them with the fruit of the Spirit? It's also in our conduct. It's not just who we are on the inside, but it's the evidence of what's inside. Are you following me? That comes on the outside. Our conduct, how do we treat others? But fruit is also described in the Bible as converts. It's that reproduction aspect, that multiplication, seeing other people come to know Jesus through your life, through my life, and then seeking to live a Christ-like life. I mean, that is, that is biblical, that is Bible. So there's three aspects I want you to look with me in the scriptures to learn some more about bearing fruits. And I'd like you to turn your attention back to the word. And the first thing I want to examine with you when it comes to bearing fruits, I want you to go to John 12, verse 24. John 12, verse what? 24. Bearing fruits. Abiding leads to bearing fruits. When a person chooses to spend time with Jesus and to stick with him and do not leave, no matter how things may seem rough, something happens. They bear fruit. Verily, verily, Jesus said, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat falls into the what? Ground and die. It abideth alone, 
But if it die, it bring forth what? It bring forth much fruit. In other words, the principle is this. The principle is this. Let me ask you. Think of a vine right now with nice fruits on it or a tree with nice fruits. Who benefit from who? Does the fruit benefit from the branch? Yes, it does. Isn't that true? It gets all the nourishment from the branch. But does the branch benefit from the fruit? No, it doesn't. I wonder if you see where I'm going. No, it doesn't. You know, when you think about, when you think about branches, branches, they just provide all that's needed to the fruits. It's the fruit that's being, and we're going to talk about it later. Many people come and enjoy the fruit, but you never find them enjoying the branch. Who looks at a tree without any fruit and say, hey, what a lovely branch. Have you ever said that? Oh, man, look at that. Oh, man, that branch is so thick. It's, nobody does that. I mean, growing up as a boy, I remember we had a mango tree in our front yard. And you know what, friends? I can tell you this. It had branches all year. No one came to our house throughout the year except for when what? It's mango time. And you know what happened? We found out, Elder, that whenever we went to church on Sabbath morning, when we come home, guess what? We'll see only leaves. People used to watch. They know we were Sabbath keepers. And so that was their best time to come to our home. Because they know no one is there. And so they come. And so, you know, what we started doing when we found out what was happening. Every Friday, we just climb that mango tree <laughs> and we take what we need, right? First. First, right? No, no one really like branches. They go after the what? So the branches, they're, in, they're like the background. They're in the background and they're supporting the, the, the luscious stuff, all right? I mean, what Jesus is trying to teach us here is that the vine, the vine does the work through the branches. Branches only relax. The first thing we need to think of when we think of bearing fruits is, listen, vine does the work, branches does what? The relaxing. Yes, friends, branches, branches, are, 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 they simply are conduits. They, they, they take all the luscious sap from the vine and, they, and then they, they make sure it goes to the what? To the fruit. And so, friends, listen, the first principle of growing fruit, the first principle of abiding, we have to know that, listen, we have to die daily, the Bible says. What does it look like by dying daily? In reality, someone can't die daily. You only die once and then you're done. You follow me? Dying daily simply means, as branches, every single day, we give all that we are over to the God Almighty. We surrender to him every single day. We accept 
him as Lord and Savior of our lives every single day. We unite with him. We spend time with him. Listen, because he is the one that is the source. We are not the source. We think maybe because we make money and we make lots of it, that, hey, listen, we are something. We are nothing. Because guess who gave you the breath, Deuteronomy says, to make a living? God gave you the breath. We think we are something because we have all these kind of degrees and all this kind of stuff. We are nothing. Because if God didn't give you the intelligence, you would make all F's. God is the source. The branch simply absorbs everything from the vine. We don't try to go out there and make a living on our own. That is destructive. Oh, we want to, we're a self-made person. The same way it comes to branches, if you want to be a fruit, the first thing you have to know is that it's not even about you. It's about God who blesses you with everything you will need in order to be a fruit. If you miss that principle, you would have missed everything. In order to bear fruit, branches must learn how to rest and how to receive. Listen to God. Listen to God. He's so amazing. He says, come unto what? Me, all who labor and are heavenly laden, and I will give you what? You know what our job is? Our job is simply to come. But you know what? The truth be told, we have no time. So we can't, even, we can't even go to Jesus. We can't even spend time with him because all the affairs of life, they're just holding us down. Our job in abiding, if we want to bear fruit, is to simply come. Look at, look at God. God said in Jeremiah 24, verse 7, Then I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord. Who is doing this? I will give you a heart to know. God, I don't know you. God, I don't have the desire to spend time with you. God, truth be told, uh, my, I just want to get from you what I can get. Truth be told, God, I don't even know how to abide. And God is saying, listen, then I will give to them a heart to know me. Nothing is wrong in going to God and saying to God, God, right now my life is all about myself. If you don't step in and give me a heart for you, I will fail. Nothing is wrong in going to God love those prayers. The truth is, he will give you a desire if you ask him. In fact, the Bible says in Jeremiah 32 verse 40, Then I will put my fear within their hearts that they will not depart from me. Can you imagine? God is the source. He's give, he, he will give us everything we need. The fact is we have to be ready to receive it. And in all of our cluttered life, we're just pushing him out and pushing him out and blocking him and blocking him and never quieting down to say, Lord, I want to abide. Friends, Martin Luther said, the Holy Ghost is sent forth into the hearts of believers 
This sending is accomplished by the preaching of the gospel through the Holy Spirit, which inspires us fervently with new judgments, with new desires, and new motives. And then Martin said this, this happy, he calls it a happy innovation, is not a derivative of reason or self-development, but it is solely the gift and operation of the Holy Spirit. In other words, no matter how we might feel, no matter how far we might feel from God, if we allow him to come in, you know what an innovation is, right? If we allow God to come in, that's what he loves. He loves to come into messy places and remake it. Are you following? He knows how to do it. He loves to come into weak places and put strength there. I mean, God is so amazing, friends. If we would just abide and give him the chance. So before you leave today, before you leave today, you might have five, six, seven, a million things to do. Are you following? When you think of your week, you might see a jam-packed week ahead of you. And it might look like it's all about you. Is there any time you can fit into that for God? If you want to be a fruit, if you're filled with anger all the time, if you're depressed all the time, if you're saddened all the time, if your spouse can't stand you all the time, And you, if, if you're always burdened down by addictions all the time and you can't see your way through any of that, that's where you are. God is saying, I can meet you right where you are. And I know how to transform those situations. I know how to come in so that you can now bear fruits. Fruits within, fruits that comes out, and fruit that transforms others. He's saying, I know how to do it. If you'd only give me a chance and give up. Give up. It's the word surrender. Second thing is, yes, the vine pushes and the branches should rest. But branches live on kingdom purpose. Branches live on what? Kingdom purpose. purpose. You know, many people today, I hear it all the time, that, hey, listen, people will say, Pastor, I I really don't have a purpose in life. You know, they're so despondent. There's no satisfaction uh, in their lives. There's nothing that is, that is inspiring them, that's motivating them from day to day. They don't have a, a, a purpose. Well, truth be told, if you're a branch, God has blessed us with purpose. Let's look at it. Turn with me in your Bibles to John 15. Let's go back to John 15. Let's look at verse 16. John 15, verse 16. Living on purpose. Living on what? The Bible says, John 15, verse 16, He cannot choose me, but I have, and I have ordained you. 
Do you know what the word ordained mean right there? It means to set or to put in place. In other words, I have ordained you, the Bible says, speaking about branches, that ye should go forth and what? And bring fruit forth fruit. In other words, every branch has a purpose. And our purpose is to what? Bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, ye may have it. In other words, every branch was given a purpose. To be a fruit. Isn't that amazing, friends? We have a purpose given from the Almighty God. Our purpose is not to make money. That's not our purpose in life. Yes, that's what the American dream says. But we chase the American dream to our eternal ruin. We chase it and then we build up death in death in the same time, at the same time. I mean, that, the American dream is not God's dream for us. God's dream for us is far more fulfilling. It's far more satisfying. The Bible says God's purpose for us is to bear fruits. Our plans are not always God's plans, Ellen White says. Ministry of healing, Ministry of healing, 44.73. He may see that it is best for us and for his cause to refuse our very best intentions, as he did in the case of David. But of one thing we may be assured, he will bless us and use in the advancement of his cause those who sincerely devote themselves and all they have to his glory. If he sees it best not to grant these, their desires, he will counterbalance. Hallelujah. He will do what? Counterbalance the refusal by giving them tokens of his love and entrusting them another service. In other words, in other words, and this is Bible. This is, have you ever asked God earnestly for something and God refused to grant it? Yeah? But guess what? But he comes back around and he gives you something else. But way down the line, when you look back at it, you say, oh, God, thank you for not giving me that first thing. You see, what he does, he counterbalances it, right? He knows we are saddened because we didn't get what we want. But at the same time, if you're a branch and if you abide in God, guess what? He will balance it out. He will give you something that will be the best thing for you. Some of, the, some of the hardest things I deal with as a pastor is dealing with someone who has lost a loved one. And it's so, it's so hard because there's no words you can say that can really bring any kind of uh, change. But in the depths of that loss, God always provides a comfort. He always provides something that, that, that leads us through it. I remember when my father died, and this was the worst situation we have ever dealt with as a family. And I never knew, I couldn't see how God was going to deal with this situation. Here I am, 
the oldest of four siblings, could not see how God will actually help us through it with a mother that was grieving. But I can say after 20 years, after 20 years, I, could, I can clearly see how God stepped in a situation of such a loss and lead a family through it step by step. Are you following me, friends? Step by step through it to the point where we are a family who are just filled with hope. Yes, we didn't get what we were asking for during that time. But you know what? We have a hope that God is going to resurrect him one day. Amen? Amen? When the trumpet shall sound. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's, what, that's the counterbalance. That's what, what, that is what fills our heart. And we are living with that in our hearts and minds. We are living on purpose. We are living Amen. to bear fruits to God. Solomon grappled with this. He did, you know, Solomon. He grappled with this thought. When he came to the end of his life, here's what Solomon said. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. The matter. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. He said, when you boil down life, to what really drives a person or should drive a person. It's not about all the externals. That's not what it's all about, Solomon said. Solomon said, what really inspires someone day by day and give them that drive to get up in the morning, what really satisfies the soul, he says. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And keep his commandments, for this is what? Man's all. The whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment, every secret thing, whether there be what? Good or evil. Fear God and do what? Keep his commandments. You talk about purpose. I'll give you another story. I remember growing up as a child. By the way, if you think about your childhood experience right now, I believe I had the most exciting childhood experience. Sometimes I, I wish I could have just stayed right there. I enjoyed life as a kid immensely. I mean, every day was just so exciting. You know, whether it's playing football, just enjoying my friends, I mean, life was really, really, really good. But you know what? Growing up as a child, by the way, I thank God for good parents because I can remember not just the good, but the bad. And y'all, friends can influence you negatively. But I thank God for the prayers of a praying mom and dad. Because I can tell you, I, I, I now live to see some of my friends, when I look back and look at their life even now, it's all messed up. 
And some of them are six feet under right now. Why? Because they were striving for earthly things. And you know what? I didn't get mixed up with all those girls until God brought me the right one. Hallelujah. And so some of my friends, six, seven, eight baby mothers. Can you imagine? I have one. And two children. And I tell you what it takes to take care of them well. I don't know how you take care of eight baby mothers. But you know what? That's what the world does. The world shines this glitter before people to say, listen, this is where excitement is. This is where life is at. But truth be told, God is saying, listen, I have something more, far more satisfactory than, than what the devil can provide. Life lived with me, when you abide in me, I will give you a purpose for living. Chris Rice penned these words in his song. Every day is a journal page, he said. Every man holds a quilt and an ink. And there's plenty of room for writing in. All we do is believe and think. So will you compose a curse? Or will today bring the blessing? Fill the page with rhyming verse or some random sketching. And then he says, teach us to count the days. Teach us to make the days count. Lead us in better ways. That somehow our souls forgot. Life means so much, he said. Life means so much. Life means so much. Every day, he said, is like time. Time is our currency. Nobody's rich, nobody's poor. We get 24 hours each, don't we? So how are we going to spend Will you invest or squander? Try to get ahead or help someone who's under. Teach us, he said. Teach us to count the days. Teach us to make the days count. Lead us in better ways that somehow our souls have forgot. Life means so much. Life means so much. Life means so much. Life means so much when it's lived on purpose for God. And his purpose is this. He has a purpose for us to become better people, better disciples, stronger, more mature kingdom people. But it, it spells time. How do we spend the currency we have today called time? Will you spend it on the world, or are you going to spend it on knowing Jesus? I want to close with this last thought. Fruits are for the blessings of others. Fruits are for the what? Remember we talked about the branches? The branches, its sole purpose in life was to bless the? 
fruit, right? That's all, it, that's all it was. His purpose was to be a blessing to the fruit. And then the fruit blesses who? Others, correct? So fruits are for the blessings of others. Don't forget that. Let's turn to, let's turn to um, Matthew 7. Matthew 7 and verse 20. Matthew 7 and verse 20. The Bible says, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall what? By their fruits ye shall know them. So look at this. There are people who we hang out with every day, whether in our family, whether at work, whether at school, you name it. There are people we hang out with every day. What are they getting from us? Are they getting things from us that are a blessing to our own lives? Or are they getting from us things that are a curse? When you think about your work environment and you step into your work environment on a Monday morning, do people are they happy to see you? Do they know that this person brings a blessing with them when they step into the room? What, what do, does your husband say when he thinks about you? What does your wife say when, he, when she thinks about you? What do your kids say when they think about us? I mean, are we enriching their lives? Let me ask you. Are our fruits sweet to the taste? You know, some fruit, you know, some fruit, you don't have to bite it to know that it's sweet. Just the fragrance. Isn't that true? You smell it, you know that, that mango is ready. You notice I keep talking about mangoes. That's all right. But just by smelling it, you can tell, hey man, this, this fruit is, is, is sweet. I don't have to taste it. But you know what? This is God's way of evangelism. In other words, God wants us to be so beautiful on the inside. That's what he wants. So through our conducts, it's going to influence others in such a way that they're going to want to know, who is this person? This person is such a blessing to me and they don't even know. I want to be like this person. I want to know who this person knows. Fruits are, fruits are, 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 for, are for the blessings of others. And so when we spend time with Jesus... He, he begins, he begins a, a, a process of just, let me, let me give you some examples. Turn to 1 Peter. Turn to 1 Peter with me. Chapter 3. Some people misunderstand this word. Um, last week I, I spoke to the husbands. Well, this week I want to say a word to the wives. 
Many people misunderstand this word, and they use this word in a very negative sense. Uh, but wives, the Bible says in chapter 3, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 3, verse 1. Wives, Peter says, likewise, be submissive to your what? Your own husbands. People have a huge problem with that word, submissive. That even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the what? Conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Now, I like how Peter puts it. Look at it. It's right there in the text. Verse 3. Do not let your adornment be what? Merely outwardly, right? In other words, you should seek to look as fine as you can on the outside. Spend as much time as you want, wives, to look really good for that man. Are you following? But while you do that, and while you pay attention to that, and so much attention, Peter said, Arranging the air, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, rather what? Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. You know what Peter is saying there? Peter is saying, what is so beautiful about a wife? is a gentle and quiet spirit. But you might say, Pastor, I'm not quiet, I'm loud. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really loud. You can be loud, but not disrespectful. Are you with me? Peter's saying, listen, the man is not a Christian. And you can win that man for God. How? How can you win him? By simply having a gentle Gentleness, fruit of the Spirit. Are you following? That's a fruit of the Spirit. I have a gentle and quiet spirit. And you can win that man by what is on the inside. And God is saying, God is saying, yes, there's something as beautiful as the outside, and that is the inner character, which is the fruit of God growing within you. A man loves, let me tell you, I wonder why the Bible says that the wives, the wives should, should have a gentle and a quiet spirit. I wonder if the wives are being loud. I wonder if the wives are talking a lot. Now, I did deal with the men. <laughs> the, the, uh, so some of you might know that for years I was the men's ministry director for the Texas Conference. Do you know what was the chief complaint that the husbands will come to me and talk about when it comes to their wives? I mean, they'll come to me. The wives are just talking too much. Sometimes very loudly. The wives are not listening to us. That's what they'll say to me. You follow? I no wonder what, maybe God knows something about women. 
that, 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 that men are looking for. Men are, men are not, this is not talking about a man, a man taking his position in a place where he's just running over the woman. No, no, no. He's saying that there's something that I can put within every female that can make her so attractive to the male. Are you following? And this thing is a fruit of the spirit that I can place within her that can make her so attractive to her husband. The husband is looking for something on the inward as well as the outward. But that doesn't just go for the wives. It goes for all disciples. Are you hearing me? It goes for what? All disciples. The way you win other people, you win them by living such a life that is so contagious. It's so attractive. They love to be in your presence. You're not argumentative. You're just filled with love. The way you speak, you draw people in. You don't push them out. Even if they may do you something, something that is disrespectful and harmful, you're like Jesus. You don't even whisper a word. On the cross, they did all manner of evil against him. Open not his mouth but to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not. We always want to try to one-up the next person, to win the argument. And Jesus is saying the best way to win an argument is to lose. It's just to listen, to admit, to move forward with love. It's something on the inside. And I wish to God that this church here at Garland will live such a life. And I believe it with all my heart that all these people in this community, when they see us living that kind of life, they will be attracted. You, you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, this is how all men will know that you are my disciple. By preaching the three angels' messages. Huh? Is that a good thing, by the way? But is that what Jesus said? No. If you preach the three angels' messages without love, it's like tinkling cymbals. You hear me, friends? Yes. And you know what love is? Love is a fruit. Galatians 5, it's a fruit. If you don't get it yet... You must get it now. Get it now. If we are going to win the world, we're going to win them by our fruits that Jesus provides. Not what we generate. Are you following me? Not what we generate, but what Jesus generates. Oh my. What a God. In Matthew 25, and I'm going to read. I want us to read it together. I really do. This is my last text, my last text here. But we have to read this together. Matthew 25. Now, while we're turning there, husbands, let me just repeat a word to you. Again, do you know what is most attractive to the wife? 
Husbands, you know, the Bible always says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the one. That's what he said, right? Love is a fruit, correct? So what he's saying is, how did Christ love the church? He died. A woman would do anything for a man who is willing to love her like that. Oh, man, I just, that's like a, that's a one person, amen. <laughs> I, guess, I guess all the, the, the ladies here are living that. Praise the Lord. The husbands are loving them like how Christ loved the church. Wow, husbands, if you love your wife like that, she will love you back in such a, she, she will submit to you or whatever you take that word to be. <laughs> she will do anything. All because she can see that fruit within you. You win people over like that. Your neighbors can be win for Jesus if you treat them like that. Your classmates that you sit with in the classroom day after day will come to Jesus knowing him through your kindness. It's just amazing, but look at this. Look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25. I want to read from verse 34. Look at Jesus. This is, he's speaking of right before he comes back. He says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my what? Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me what? Food. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, and you give, and, and you give drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and, and take you in, and naked, and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you have done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to, to me. This is, this is right before he comes back. And he's saying, this is how you win the world for Jesus. When I think about the Garland Church, I see the church having a food pantry, serving the community. I, I, when I think about the Garland Church, I, I, I see a church with a church school. Amen? Amen. Willing to teach the children within this community. But when I think about the Garland Church, and I've been here now over a month, I see so many needs within the church. I see, even for the community service, I see where they could use some extra hands. Amen? Amen? I see in our children's department, they could use some, some volunteers. Maybe one hour a week. Maybe one hour a month. But guess what? Friends, guess what? 
This is where it's at. I'm sure there, 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 are, there are things that we can all band together and do for this church. And while we do it for this church, we're doing it for God. Amen? But if we spend our time on all other things and never on these things, well, let's listen to the end of the story. Jesus says, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting what? Fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also, then they also will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer saying to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch, he said it again, inasmuch as you did it not, as you did it not, do it to one, uh, sorry, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it, to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Truth is, when it comes to fruit bearing, and when we abide with Jesus, and we spend time with Jesus, we win the world through our fruits. God wants to use you today, Garland, each one of you. He has a purpose for you. He wants to use your life to impact someone in your family, in your community, in the workplace. He does. He wants to equip you to do that. Will you allow him? I want to stand before you and say, I want to. I want to allow God to come on the inside of my life and generate within my life all the fruit of the Spirit so that I can be a blessing to his kingdom. Anyone else want to join me? Is there anyone else? Oh, praise the Lord. I can't let you go without a story. But I was there in Israel. I spent some time on the Sea of Galilee, and I also spent some time on the Dead Sea. It's very interesting, and Bruce Fairchild says it better than I could. He said, there are two seas in Palestine. One is fresh, and it has fishes in it. Splashes of greens, he says, adorn its banks. Trees spreads their branches over it and stretch out their thirsty roots to sip off its waters. Along its shores, the children play, and as they play, it reminds Jesus of when he was a kid. He loved it. He could look across its silvery surface when he told all of his parables. And on a tolling plain, not too far away, he fed 5,000. 
the river Jordan, flows down south into another sea. Here, no splashes take place. There are no fish within its waters, no fluttering leaves, no singing of the birds, no children laughter. Travelers choose another route unless they are on an urgent business. The ear, the ear hangs heavy above its waters, and neither men nor beast nor fowl will drink of it. What makes the difference in this neighboring seas? Not the River Jordan. It empties its same good water into both. Not the soil in which they lie, not the country round about, but this is the difference, he said. The Sea of Galilee receives but does not keeps the Jordan. The Sea of Galilee receives but that does not keeps the Jordan. For every drop the, that, that, glows, that flows into it, another drop flows out. The giving and receiving goes on in equal measure. The other sea, though, is a different story, he says. Holding its income jealously, it will not be tempted into any generous impulse. For every drop it gets, it keeps. The Sea of Galilee gives and lives. The other sea gives nothing and is dead. It's dead. What is God saying to us today? He wants every person to bear fruits, to mature, to grow. And in the process of doing that, to be a blessing to someone else. In your family or wherever. I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet as we, as we close with prayer. Let's pray. Oh, Father, when we think about abiding or spending time with you, we can surely see that there are benefits from doing so. We learned last week that sure enough, there's answered prayers within that. And today, when we spend time with you to nurture this relationship with you, we also bear fruits. We also become more loving, more kind, filled with peace and long-suffering. We're able to maintain self-control. We're meek and we're gentle. 
and spirit. This is what you have ordained. You have said it in the scripture. You have ordained that this is how we should grow. Because in growing like this, we will not only mature, but we will impact lives of others. And this is your process for kingdom growth. This is the process that you have ordained, you have set in place for the work to spread through the entire world so that you can come back, Lord Jesus. And truth be told, we have all failed in this area at times. There are times, Father, when we have acted with, with anger and we have acted with, without love. There are so many times where we have, we have treated people poorly. And you are saying to us, we cannot continue like this. We have to change. But the only change we have learned, that change come from simply allowing you to pour all the spiritual nutrients into our lives. I pray, Father, that you would help us as a church to be people who are bearing fruit for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen.